Good evening, everyone. Well, uh, it might seem a tad late to be preaching on this, uh, with Christmas being gone and it being January, and uh, you know it's so easy to read this story and uh, instantly box it as one heard a million times. But actually, I uh, hope you stay Christmassy for at least another few minutes, uh, because this story's implications are far more. Uh, far wider reaching than we'll ever be able to fully understand whilst on this earth. Uh, It opens up for us anew the character of God and draws us close to him in love. We're focusing on verses 26 to 45 of chapter 1. You may find it helpful to follow them in your Bibles on page 1026. If you look at verse 26, it says, in the sixth month. Now this isn't suggesting it's June, but follows on directly from the previous section. Uh, that Jonathan spoke about last week, because Luke's saying in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. He's presenting this as one narrative. He wants us to read the story of two miraculous conceptions of two very blessed women and a messenger called Gabriel who tells of this news to one of the women and the other's unbelieving husband. And he sets them side by side in order to show loads of similarities and also some stark differences fundamentally surrounding John and Jesus which we'll focus on now. When Gabriel speaks to Zechariah, we have in verse 13, your wife will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. And similarly, in verse 31, you will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Gabriel brings an identical message of two miraculous conceptions, but think about the differences in the conceptions. Elizabeth is similar to lots that we find in the Old Testament. There are lots of parallels. The story of God's people and his plan throughout the Old Testament uh, often hinges at various points on him saying to various uh, significant people uh, that though you were once barren, I will give you a son or or a child, and often those children are very uh, very significant. Um, And it's God's way of working uh, in a great and miraculous way showing love and faithfulness to his people. But Jesus is completely unique. He's the only child ever to be conceived this way, purely by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's not kind of even better than John's, but it's fundamentally different in what's happening. If you look at verse 15, uh, John will be great in the sight of the Lord. And then look at verse 32 about Jesus. Simply, he will be great. And Jesus' greatness is not like John's, because it's absolutely unqualified. He's simply great because he is. John is a prophet of the Most High. And it goes on in verse 32 to say that Jesus is the Son of the Most High. And whereas John is to prepare the way of the Lord, uh, it says that Jesus is to receive the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign forever. And that's what John is to prepare for. The way of a never-ending kingdom. And this child will be king. He will be our Lord. Now, Luke's writing to people that know Jesus, probably. Believers. uh, Gentile believers. Who don't necessarily have a full understanding of the Old Testament text as much as uh, the Jews. And so his purpose here isn't to start at the beginning and then build on it, uh, necessarily. Uh, but actually to show them that Christ, the Christ that they know to be the Son of God, 
to be king and Messiah and Lord was born like that. He's saying, look, take a step back and realize that the Son of God you know is eternal and has always been Lord. And now recognize how great he is and therefore how humble and awesome is his incarnation. And it's easy to imagine the Son of God as starting out as Jesus. Uh, And so I think that the message of the Son of God's eternal godness, so to speak, his lordship and greatness, is so important to remember when thinking about that incarnation. And the Christ we can therefore know today as being eternal God. So in verse 34, how does Mary respond to this message from Gabriel? She responds with a seemingly obvious question, how will this be? since I am a virgin. And what a striking and straightforward answer is given. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. We're drawn away from the specifics of the conception uh, to the power of the incarnation. And Luke's not saying uh, overshadowed in the sense that Usain Bolt might overshadow me if we had a 100-meter race. Uh, It's more literal that by the power of the Spirit, the Most High will almost cover her. And as resonances back to Old Testament times when uh, the Spirit uh, took maybe a sort of physical cloud like uh, engulfing, but it's not quite the same. So what is the significance of the Spirit's work? If you follow verse 35, it's so that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. It's in order that he would be holy, which is the center here. The Spirit's activity is to set him aside for a divine purpose. And that's what Luke's teaching. Since it's of the overshadowing of the Spirit, he will be unique and have a unique task in God's service. And after assuring her, as God often does in these times of difficulty for his people, Gabriel finishes his work here brilliantly. Nothing is impossible with God. And he seals the deal and uh, completes his assurance. So Mary runs off to the hills of Judea to find Elizabeth uh, for a profound encounter. And we see instantly that John truly is filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb, as the angel said in verse 15, because John leaps in his mother's womb at the presence of Jesus. And Elizabeth is simultaneously filled with the Holy Spirit. Bearing in mind that what she's seeing is her pregnant younger cousin, just listen, listen to her exclamation. Why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? It's a confession of the Lordship of Christ while he's still in the womb. Elizabeth is proclaiming who he is, yet she's not even seen Christ. But she has been filled with the Spirit. And in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 3, uh, Paul says that no one can say Christ is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is deeply embedded in the fabric of this whole event, from the conception of John, then in the overshadowing of Mary in uh, in the power of the Incarnation, being with John in the womb, filling Elizabeth in order that she might recognize him. And Jesus' life continues on to be no different. He's truly a man of the Spirit. It says in Hebrews that it was through the Eternal Spirit that, uh, that Christ offered himself without blemish and took the cross. And Peter proclaims, that it was the spirit that subsequently made Christ alive at the resurrection. Now, picture that nativity scene that we know so well. 
Mary and Joseph, baby in a manger, shepherds, wise men, maybe some animals. But the invisible spirit isn't there for us to see. And generally speaking, he doesn't really get a look in on our carols either. Yet here he is, so central in the incarnation and subsequent life of Christ, our Lord. And as we celebrate the birth of our Lord in such great humility and desire to follow him more closely and become more like him, let's do so in longing for that same work of Holy Spirit in and amongst us. Finally, let's ponder Mary for a moment. A young, lowly girl with no claim to worthy status, given God's favour by his great grace and raised up in order that she might have a central role in salvation history. God's sovereignty is simply overwhelming, but from Mary's perspective, she's deeply confused and disturbed in verse 29. And she goes on to hear God's plan, yet she's unmarried at this point, risking public shame from suspected adultery if people realise they're pregnant, and facing also the complications with Joseph that may ensue. God's call on our lives is rarely, if ever, easy. Rather, our Lord Jesus asks us for our whole lives, for us to sacrifice all to him and be prepared to follow him wherever he goes. And only by his grace do we have this honour. I reckon that Mary's response is the best we can ever give. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. But sometimes we're much more like Zechariah in the previous section in his unbelief. And he's much older, much more learned, and is even a priest. And doesn't Mary just full-on show him up wonderfully? And he's looking at a straight and simple blessing of a long-desired baby from his barren wife, free from all of what young Mary is dealing with. Whoever we are, young or old, whether we've just gotten to know Jesus or whether we've been walking with him for years, the challenge is just there, staring us in the face. God will use you how he will. That's clear from scripture. And our job is not to question why or question him, but simply say what Mary says, that we're his servants and we will follow Christ wherever he leads, never forgetting that Holy Spirit is with us. And with him, nothing is impossible. Amen.